We're here again. We're Back here with another episode of All Questions Considered, a weekly space for questions, for engaging curiosity, for sitting in the discomfort of not having simple or easy answers, or maybe not even an answer at all right now, um, and learning to just love and explore questions. I'm Pastor Drew. I'm here with Brandon uh, to talk about your questions. And so this is something that we try and do every week you know here we are in episode nine we're gonna hit double digits next week um and i know right wild and um and so we would love as with every week for you to share any questions you have in the chat with us and as we're trying to explore still kind of what this weekly space looks like um part of our vision before this started was maybe we're able to have some conversation with uh, you folks who are listening and or watching, but we know that um, it's not always, you can't always be live with us at 9 p.m. Central on Tuesdays. Um, and uh, and sometimes there's some barriers to maybe being able to ask your question live. Uh, and those might come in a variety of different ways. Maybe even just that like the theme of the episode is not related to the question that you have on your mind. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't want you to ask those questions. And so many of you have been asking some really great questions, um, leaving them in comments or sending them directly to us via email. And then now I think I've got it set up right on our Facebook page. Um, and if not, somebody can go check it and test it and, and then let us know. You can comment then or message us, but that you can go to a, like a Google form and just enter your question about whatever at any time. And so we've been getting some really good questions that we couldn't answer in real time in an episode, but we want to be able to respond and consider your questions because it's not just always the questions that Brandon and I come up with or that we pull from um, Reddit or wherever um, to be able to ask. We wanna make sure that you have the opportunity to ask your questions. The whole point of the show, right, is to engage your curiosity as well as our own. Um, so we're gonna do some of that tonight. Yeah, we've got a handful of questions that people have sent and messaged over the past weeks that um, that didn't belong to the topics that we've been covering. And so we decided, hey, tonight, I love, I just saw Drew the, the title of tonight's uh, episode your questions considered i love that so uh so yeah tonight's just going to be kind of a grab bag of some of the questions however many we get to um of questions that you guys have submitted and i love these um they're meaningful and very kind of deep i'm excited to consider them uh some of them i'm wondering like the way that they're submitted, I'm like, I want to do more than just consider them. I want to, I want to help. I want to know, you know, what they're wrestling with and what they're hoping for. I want to help answer them or maybe not answer them. Um, but at least uh, I wish this was a two-way dialogue. These are such great questions that I know they're going to lead to more questions. So, uh, so this should be really fun tonight. That's right. So yeah, again, another little plug, right? Um, we're going to try. I know I'm going to share this episode with people that I know ask uh, at least one or two, I guess, two of these questions. I know who they came from. Um, and uh, But if you're asking questions, make sure you tune in. And again, if you're here in real time, we'd love for you to then kind of listen and respond and ask your questions. The title of this episode is Your Questions Considered. Uh, look for both uh, Your Questions Considered, you know, part two, part three, every handful of episodes we'll probably try and do something like this and oh, that'd be fun yeah and also 
the title of the show at pretty much any week could be <laughs> your questions considered. You just come ask us the questions. Um, we try to give you a little bit of an, a spark of an idea sometimes with the theme, but we want you asking whatever questions you have about God, faith, life, and how it all works. Yeah. And some of these questions were asked anonymously, which I love as well. So if you, uh, if you want to message us or where's the best, like where, what are the options for people who have questions and want to, um, submit a question maybe anonymously or maybe at a different time because they're not watching right now, where's the best place, Drew? Yeah, absolutely. So you got a couple of easy options. If you know me and Brandon, right? Like if you have a personal relationship with, just send us a text, send us an email, whatever. I'm sure we'd be happy. We have like a Google doc that we keep some of this stuff in um, and we'd be happy to add it in with or without any shout outs to you. Um, and then number two, I think the best thing to do is to go and like our Facebook page. Um, there's an all questions considered Facebook page in two seconds here. I'm going to go drop a link to it in the, in the chat and comments. It should end up most where most of you are. Um, but go to that all questions considered Facebook page. And there's a, there should be a link there that either you can message that page, but if you want to be like fully anonymous, there's a, there's a link out to a Google form, um, mm. that you can just type your question and hit submit if you want you know, us to reach back out to you or ask you more about it or um, give you a shout out. There's a little box that says you can put your email address and or name okay. here if you want to, but you don't need to, right? Um, it's not a required question mm. on that form. So you can just drop a question in. Nice. Cool. I didn't know you had set all that up. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the Google form. The Google form is great. Now I'm going to start using that anonymously and you won't yeah, exactly. know. These are all You're like, somebody I'll just ask this question drew yeah. in the google form you know <laughs> I'll let, i'm gonna tell you i'll reveal at the end of this these are all my questions <laughs> they basically could be because these are such great questions that now i'm asking them so i'm excited for this well how about we jump into question one drew if you're ready for me to toss a question your way and then uh you can kind of play hot potato with it as you consider yeah. it and yeah. look at it from all angles you got to give me I need to stall like while a you five get, uh... count while I'm copying pasting. <laughs> All right. You got to give me a five count while I'm copying pasting here. So that it. there's, um, there's the link. If you're with us live, there's a link in the, in the chat comments and um, hopefully in the like show notes, if you're a podcast person, we've had like eight or so people every week um, listening in. We're glad you're nice. here. If you're, if you're Almost listening double on the digits. Feed. That's right. Um, and uh, I haven't even listened, so I know those aren't me. I haven't also <laughs> I also haven't told my mom that I'm doing this, so it's not her either. There you go. Just all right. Just some good people asking good questions. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> great setup. First question of the night, uh, submitted from somebody. This is such a great question. What do we do with other ancient myths, or mythologies, or stories, or scriptures that predate? or are maybe around the same time as Jewish and Christian scriptures, but they have a lot of similarities. So what do we do with these other ancient stories, ancient myths that look and sound a lot like Jewish and Christian myths and scriptures, yeah. but come from other sources or maybe even come from before the Bible? Yikes. Yeah. What do we do about this? Oh, this is such a great question, right? Um, this is one of the beauties of just like the gift of human knowledge, right? That we have and, and history, mm. right? That we have stories, 
and and meaning meaning making stories that have been told for a lot of time a long time by lots of different cultures um and the fact that we live in a time now where like you could probably go um and just give a quick google search and like re start reading a lot of this stuff from ancient mesopotamia ancient egypt or from the ancient hebrew people right <laughs> um and and some of them get spread around in different areas and uh and facets or are more read at more times and in different places um uh, but there are yeah there are these wild things i wonder um for for somebody asking this question right there there's likely one or two of these stories that they have in their mind um, um and so yeah, i they uh so i've actually got a couple of examples here that i think was submitted yeah. by this person um they mentioned some examples like the Gilgamesh flood and Noah's okay. Ark in Genesis. And then others like uh, we've got Jesus who um, dies dead for three days, then rises. And we've also got Osiris who rose after three days of being dead. Who is, uh, uh, what, what do we've got here? Osiris dying and rising after three days in ancient Egyptian mythology. Yeah. Yeah. Compares and lines up pretty nicely to some aspects of the Jesus story. Yeah. So, I mean, I love the question, right? Like, what do we do when we have stories that are really similar, but not the same. Um, and some of this is, we're falling what I'd call the realm of like text criticism. Um, you're looking at an ancient text. Yeah, you're looking at an ancient text critically. It was kind of the, you know, to, to use its own uh, words to define as it. As compared to, what's the, what's the opposite? Well, so the like we, have might, a name? we might use other methods, right? Like we might, um, there might be other ways to look at a text. I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Like other ways to read something. So you might have read, or, you know, I don't remember if we did or not, but like we might have read any of these myths and mythologies in English class and looked at them sort of from a literary standpoint. What's your, what are the uh, metaphors uh, and symbols? Uh, you might bring out sort of like the historical criticism of it, which is what was going on in the time period. And then the text criticism is like, where, what does it say? How do you line this up with this? Um, how do you compare different manuscripts? And, yeah, um, versus the way that I read Harry Potter, which is just like, what happens next? I'm yeah. so excited. And it's like, I'm not reading it critically. I'm just taken up by it. Sure. Right. Yeah. You're not like, hmm, I wonder why the author chose to use this word in this particular context. And I wonder what the difference it might mean in our culture today, as opposed to what no. it meant in the early 90s or whatever. Yeah, right? I'm like, just like, how is Hermione going to get out of this? Yeah um and so we we read okay, texts i get it we read texts in all of these ways um and uh and they're all of those ways are beautiful ways to read texts um i think this question of like well what do we do um it depends on on what you're hoping to learn right like i think what you do is you start asking questions um you you engage your curiosity say well like what does this mean the, what's uh i think a great place to start is just like a very simple compare and contrast Right. Um, and I'd say maybe that's one of the most um, important or, or meaning making things you can do if you're looking mm -hmm. for that question of like, well, what do we do with um, a story like this? So you could read through the Gilgamesh epic and then read through like the Noah's uh, Ark flood, which bo both came out of the ancient Mesopotamia region and time. It seems like there probably was some sort of great flood historically mm -hmm. that happened um but you have two different sort of 
cultural and religious systems telling a story about this flood um, and and what happened and how people how humanity survived it uh, what the what the role of God or the gods was in it um, and you can you can sort of say like okay well there was a flood um, it seems like a large portion of the populace got was killed in this natural disaster of sorts. But then you kind of have these questions, well, was it a natural disaster or not? And depending on which text you're looking at, the gods have the, the God and God, God like characters in the different stories have different levels of influence and um, like, and different intentions within the story. So with that one in particular, I've done a bit of study in that, like some of the differences, uh, might reveal to us a different notion of what God or the divine or the divine realm or the gods are like. So in the Gilgamesh epic, um, it's like an accident that humanity survives. Like, like the hero thwarts the effort of the gods to destroy oh, gotcha. humanity. Okay. Um, versus in Noah, like God is, uh, God is providing for Noah in Genesis a way mm. for people to survive gotcha um, so he doesn't care about a lot of people but at least he cares about some <laughs> right yeah but and i mean which is like which is really interesting right like you're like in both the gods god allows for like seeming, a lot of destruction you know end of almost all living things but there is this interesting key difference and notion you say well what does it say what does that say about the the people's understanding of what god is like yeah um, it's different it's maybe novel maybe pr progressive in a lot of ways yeah. for that time based on how other people are telling similar stories it's interesting because there is a way of um approaching especially the bible or any scriptures um where other people telling similar stories especially ones that might predate it feels threatening feels threatening mm. to the way that you hold or approach or view these scriptures. Um, I know for me, there was kind of this feeling that God literally kind of used a human to write this story, kind of whispered in their ears so that they could write it down perfectly um, because it was the Bible was written by God. And so if somebody else wrote it, it's like, was God plagiarizing them? Did this really have like, how does this work? Yeah. Um, versus there's, like you said at the very beginning, um, there's different ways to approach these texts. There's kind of a historical way of looking at it, a critical analysis of it. There's these different ways. And so when you're, depending on which way you're looking at it or holding it, if you, I think if you get too stuck in one way of that, um, each way kind of has its um, its pros and its cons, its strengths and its weaknesses. Sure. And so uh, so I know for me at one yeah. point, it was helpful for me to let go of a um, a way of only seeing it in one way and realizing, oh, there's lots of ways for me to hold these stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and so let me, I want to pick up the Osiris story quickly, but then I oh, also yeah. want to talk about um, both, like, so this is like a historical and anthropological way, like viewpoint in of like, this is really interesting that these stories happen. What does it tell us about history? What does it tell us about people's viewpoints of God? What does it tell us about God and about the nature of God and humanity um, and the world? And um and then I, but I think that there's this interesting thing going on too, where we can, we have to like, it almost it begs of us the question, um, 
you know, what, yeah, why, why might these other texts exist? Like you said, like, it, is there plagiarism going on? What's happening? Are none of them meaningful at all? Is it just a lot mm. of people telling good stories? Um, are they yeah. all meaningful? Or, you know, if there's, uh, I think there's probably a way, or I know there's a way that uh, some Christians have looked at texts like this and said, well, that's like a, maybe a partial revelation. Um, and then we get a, a more complete revelation in, in the story that we find in scripture. Right. Um, so there's this way of saying like, uh, God was revealing God's self to people, um, and, and different people took and understood different parts of it to lesser or greater extents. Um, and that might not be helpful for everybody, but I know that that's one way of looking at some of these texts, right? Mm. This is, um, this was God saying something about the nature of who God is, uh, and, and what humanity is like and what that relationship is like. But, uh, humanity being unable to fully comprehend the divine gets it in parts and bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is, you know, this is, uh, you think of, um, the Greek philosophers, but also Paul, uh, picking up on some of that language in Christianity of like, we see sort of dimly what's going on, but later we'll see in full. Um, and, uh, and so there's a bit of that. I think the Osiris story is interesting. Osiris is the Egyptian God of the underworld, the death of death. Okay. Um, and, and he dies and he is raised to new and eternal life. And so the Pharaohs get buried in a way that they're supposed to be imitators of Osiris. Therefore uh. they will sort of like be connected and united with him in a new raised eternal life, which sounds a lot like, you know, at a very basic level can sound a lot like, um, a Christian yeah. theology of resurrection, right? We're joined to Christ's death. And then we are raised with Christ and the word Christian means imitator of Christ. Right. Uh, and we, we could assume historically that the, you know, Christians and therefore the Jewish people would have some um, knowledge of these Egyptian stories, um, uh, being slaves in Egypt for some period of time. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you have like a historical connection between the, the cultures and the stories. What I find really interesting when I talk about kind of compare and contrast, what that makes me think of even before I jump to like the Jesus story is um, Exodus. The book of Exodus is almost, you know, there is a, there is the actual action taking place, right? Like Moses um, and Pharaoh and freeing people and um, what they do out in the wilderness and, and all of these things. But there's also like a, a meta narrative, like a spiritual narrative going on throughout the book of Exodus. And it's, um, you know, Pharaoh God and the God of hmm. Abraham. Um, it is Pharaoh's kingdom structure and religious structure and God, uh, the God, you know, that, that Moses meets in the burning bushes kingdom structure. Um, and, uh, and like the whole thing is set up as almost this kind of compare and contrast, like even the first few plagues, um, we don't always remember this, but the first few plagues, like, pharaoh's magicians do them too um like uh like oh oh good for you moses right like your god did whatever but like well, yeah my you know my magicians can do them too yeah um and it's like it, it's this building sort of like battle of um and what we find in exodus is that uh in that sort of comparison what you see is you see god has an upside down kingdom 
where where God is. Um, God places God's self at the bottom of, you know, flips the pyramid upside down. Um, and so what's interesting about like the Osiris and Jesus story is that Jesus comes to be the savior of the world and hangs out with the broken. He'll even say things like, I came not to save uh, the righteous, but to save the sinners. And that's who he spends all of his time with. But Osiris in Egyptian mythology, it was all about getting the pharaohs into eternal life mm. with Osiris in this really select group. And with Jesus, he's like, no, 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 like the everyday outcast burnouts, right? And um, and so what's interesting to me, right, is then if we're to say, well, what's the understanding of God that's that's revealed there? And and what is God truly like? Well, as a Christian, I, I lean into that Jesus story and go like, no, it seems to me that God is a God of, of everyone and everywhere. God is God that seeks to liberate the oppressed. God is a God that sides with the slaves, not the slaveholders and owners. God is a God that is is moving through that. That's clear in, the, in that Exodus story, and it's clear in the story of Jesus. Um, and so, you know, yeah, you have a resurrection, and you have this idea of being joined in resurrection, but is it only for the pharaohs? Mm. Um, and I think the Jesus story stands as this notion of, of absolutely not. Um, in fact, it's going to be hardest for Pharaoh. Right. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's for, it's for everyone else. Um, it's for, for those kind of on the underside. And that to me becomes really, really meaningful when we ask those questions in there. What, what do we do with that? Well, what does it say about God? What seems to me to be, to be true about who God is and how I've seen God revealed across lots of different stories. But again, like to take that notion of even back in the Noah story, right? Like, does God, does God actually want to kill everybody and mess up? And is God not able to do it? And just like, you know, the uh, pe people survive? Or did God say, no, 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 I need to have a plan. I want to be able to do this. Does God repent at the end and, and basically say like, hey, I'll never do that again, right? Which is what happens in the Noah story. Or is God like, nah, here, it's still coming for you, <laughs> right? Like, is God a God of vengeance? Is God saying, no, I promise never to do that again? Um, what does that say about who God is? Um, and, and then what do we do, right? Like then the, the question for you is like, well, which, what's your understanding of God? Mm. Having had those revelations, reading those stories, right? Are you like a, yeah, Osiris, right? That's my homie. He's going to save the Pharaohs and the rest of us are, you know, out of luck. Right. Or, or is it like, no, Jesus is my co-pilot. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that's so good. I know for me, I've held these stories in the Bible in general in different ways at different times in my life. Certain times, um, some ways just don't resonate with me. And other times um, they, that same way of holding it or viewing a story um, is, feels very full of life for me. And it, as you were talking to you, it was making me think about, uh, Ashley and I love watching movies in the evening and uh, we're re recently watching a movie on World War II, something that happened in the world. Mm. So maybe like a flood in, uh, in ancient Mesopotamia, something that happens, it happens to a lot of people. And then there's these stories that just don't stop coming out of it. Different people um, writing books. Some people wrote memoirs. Some people are directors and creating movies now, you know, almost like a, almost 100 years later. And um, so there's all these different kind of stories kind of trying to figure out like, what is true about reality? What does this mean? How do we hold, how do we interpret it, understand it, engage with it? What what should that leave a mark on us? And how, what should we take away from that event? Um, but even sometimes stories that aren't based in a historical thing that happened like World War II or a flood a long time ago, 
Um, but some, like we love watching Marvel movies, which mm -hmm. I think at its core, we're engaged by it because it's still doing something there to us about going, what is reality like? Is it like, you know, is it like Captain America where integrity and valor win in the end? Or is it not like that? Is it like, how, so all of these things, these stories that we play with, I know for me, that's a helpful way um, of me viewing these things right now. And that I know will probably ebb and flow over time. But even when I come to something like scriptures, it's, it's something that's been helpful for me to bring that approach to it too, to go, did this happen? How did it happen? Did other people write stories about this? Did, are there similar? But at the core of it, I see people wrestling with how do we understand God? How do we understand the divine? How do we understand how this all works? And that for me is infinitely compelling because of course I would expect other people to be writing stories with similar themes or based on similar events um, or, or people even maybe plagiarizing at times yeah. in good and healthy ways, the same way that we see that with uh, modern storytelling too. Uh, we'll see people say like, hey, I want to do a modern adaptation of this story, of this Shakespeare yeah. thing, or this whatever. Or, that's what I say, right? Like everybody looks at like all the like 90s Disney movies and it's like, this one's Hamlet and this one's yeah. whatever, right? Like, and you're like, well, yeah, but also like there are these big themes and archetypes and, um, and God gave us stories and God gave us reason and history and all of these things. So why would we not engage them all in our understanding of, of the Bible and God and the world and what it means to be human? For me, that makes it so much more alive because I think for me, I've um, there's been times where I've seen sacred scriptures as just like a story that I'm supposed to know for some reason. Hmm. It's just like somebody wrote this, like God wrote this down, therefore I should know it because God wrote it. I don't know, like that's yeah. kind of all it was to me was just this like memorize whatever this guy writes because he's the ultimate author but it didn't really like sink into my heart because I didn't. But now instead, when I approach it as here's a story that is kind of human and divine together is kind of humans wrestling with what is the nature of the divine? What is the nature of reality? Then I get to kind of enter into it and say, well, what, what is meaningful to me about this? Um, what is this doing to me at this season of my life? What do I think it was doing to them? Why did they care about this story? All of those questions become much more alive when I see it. Um, as kind of this mixture of human yeah. divinity. Well, we're um, able, I think we're able to more make it our story and to enter into that story and to realize that this is the, the ongoing unfolding story of, of the world, right? Like yeah. of, of the universe, of all that is, of the, of the source and ground of life and the way that it plays out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's helpful for me to like include Osiris and Gilgamesh. Sure. I don't know, like, um, to have my own tradition, but to be like, of course, other people are wrestling with this. And what can I learn from their stories too? And like you said, comparing is so helpful. I love it, Drew. Okay. Well, we basically spent most of the episode on that, one but, question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a good one. How about we do, do you want to do one more? Let's do it. Let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do one more because this next one is also in the similar vein as, um, as it pertains to the Bible. Um, a little bit. But here's the question. How can you prove? I like where this is going already. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for you to answer this with a proof, Drew. Uh -huh. How can you prove that God is real without the use of the Bible as evidence? 
Mm. Uh, they continued their question by giving some clarification saying, I'm trying to understand this as someone who doesn't know if I believe in God or not. I'm not trying to be malicious. I'm just trying to find yeah. an explanation that makes sense to me. And I haven't found one yet. Thanks so much. Oh, that's not malicious at all. That is no, like, not at uh, all. That is the, the effort. The main right? question here, how can, how can you prove that God is real without the use of the Bible as evidence? Yeah. Um, well, one, I'd start us coming off of that last question and saying uh, lots of cultures over lots of different times have said God is real that, that don't uh, see the Bible as Holy Scripture or before mm. the Bible existed would talk about God or gods. Um, so like, open, I'd, I'd want to open it up that level right away. That's good, right. Yeah. Especially because we were just in that conversation in this episode. Right. Um, it's just to say that like other people have come to a, a belief in the divine, um, in, in different ways, I think. Right. But apart from, um, the collection of writings that we call the Holy Bible. Um, and, uh, and still do right. Um, to, to this day, there are still people that are not using that collection of texts um that has nothing to do or even even some traditions that don't use a lot of sacred text at all right like that their use of of text is relatively limited compared to um yeah i'd say judaism christianity islam maybe even more than those like very much people of the book like mm. the the written piece plays you know utmost importance in a lot of ways uh, but that's not every world religion. So I'd kind of, I'd want to open us up one there and just sort of offer that for you. Um, yeah, or I was reading that I think the largest um, or fastest growing kind of um, sect of religion, uh, of spirituality is the spiritual but not religious category. Yeah. People identify as I am spiritual, but I don't identify as religious. So often those people don't have a sacred text um, like the Bible that they lean on, but they say I am spiritual and I have a belief in the divine or they might say God. So there's, right. um, so I love that you're starting yeah. from that place of like, these two things aren't necessarily needed for the right. other. Yeah. And then I want to kind of give the questions to you in, in a couple other ways. Um, so I think maybe that they're, what they're asking, well, I guess, let me, let me just examine the question. How, how can you prove um, is a really interesting question. And I would encourage people to go and listen to our episode on faith and science, mm. um, which I think was the one right before this, right? Yeah. But, but uh, just in the sense of like, it's interesting to me, um, but it's it's totally like I don't this is not out of left field at all, because I think we all do this in today's world, but that we would sort of apply uh, like the scientific method, which is usually this like burden of proof kind of stuff or that like or even, or the I guess the other one would be like a legal courtroom burden of proof mm. to like prove the existence. Right. Um, yeah. And I would wonder the evidence. Yeah. And so I guess like part of me wonders what, what imp that impulse is. Um, mm. And I, it, the, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking so up, up in my room. Um, I have my, what is my confirmation verse. Um, so when we're, uh, and I know I'm using scripture and you asked me not to do it person <laughs> that asked a question, but uh, it's going to come back around. Okay. But I'm looking at this and, uh, and there's a, a verse in Hebrews 11, 1, um, and it's actually my wife's confirmation verse too. We didn't even know each other at the time, but this was like the verse mm. that we picked when we were confirmed um, that was very meaningful about our faith. And it's uh, faith is a conviction of things. Uh, yeah. The, the trust in things hoped for the conviction of things unseen. Right. Which is this idea that like 
what faith is, um, isn't about a burden of proof. At least that's one of the ways that I sort of understand this in that in that evidence way, right? Like there's something unseen that I'm trusting, that I'm, I'm convicted about and trusting in, um, something that, that is unknown, that is yet, you know, intangible and, and unseen. Um, and so I, I wonder, like, I think it's good to interrogate our faith. I think it's a fantastic question. In fact, I think it's an integral question, um, for all of us to ask, like, is there a God? And, and if there is a God, what is the nature of that God? Right. What is that God like? Um, and, uh, and I think that like, that's where some of that proof conversation maybe finds its best roots. Like what is, what is this God like? Is this God present? Is this God distant? Uh, is this God active and alive and involved? Did this God do something a long time ago? And then peace out in the back to our last conversation, right? Is this a vengeful God that wants to destroy humanity? Is this a God that loves humanity? Is this God love only some people? Does God only love the best, richest, most powerful people? Or does God actually love, you know, is God powerful? And what does that power look like? Um, I mean, those are, those are crucial questions. And so maybe some of the, the, that proof language, like that's for me. And like, if I wanted to say like proving my faith or evidence of, of things, I'm, I'm looking for those places in the conversation more than I'm looking for, like, does, does God exist now? But that's for me because the, I, I would say that like the work of theology, um, I like this, this definition from Anselm that's faith seeking understanding, which is to say, I start with trust. Hmm. Um, and then I seek to understand it, but the, you know, evidence is a little bit tricky. Like I think we're trying to apply again from our last conversation last week, um, in episode eight on science and faith, we're trying to apply rules that don't necessarily work when we're talking about, um, the divine. And, uh, and so I just kind of like sit in those questions first would maybe be the way that I would start. Like, well, other people and cultures have come to a belief in a higher power, a divine divines, you know, God, gods of some kind. Um, and people still identify with that apart from this book. So what does that have to say? And then also like, what's this impulse for proof? What would proof look like? Um, what are we talking about? We talk about evidence, but then I think like the heart of the question is, um, people seem to really rely on the Bible to talk about who God is, but I would, I would maybe put before you, like the Bible assumes the existence of God. (laughs) So I don't even know that you can like, even with the Bible, I don't know that you can necessarily ask the Bible, does God exist? Because it like, it's not trying to prove the existence of God. It is, it, it has a working assumption from the very beginning um, (laughs) that like, you know, like in the beginning, God speaks, right? Like, and that's an existence of a God who speaks and creates before. And and I guess, you know, says something that God's, you know, like it says some things about God right there in that first verse, but it doesn't say like, this is how God came into being. It, it just sort of like assumes yeah. from, from the get. And, um, and so that to me, again, brings me back around to those questions of like, it seems to me that maybe we ought to be asking the questions of what's the nature of God? What is God like? Because yeah, I mean, like 
are, are we talking about a Burger King King in the Sky? Um, are we talking yeah, about that's... Zeus? Are we talking about you know that like I don't? That's a conversation that I that I'm more interested in, I guess, than kind of proving the existence of God because I don't know. Like it depends on what we're you know what we're calling proof. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that. You know, we were talking about, especially in the last one, kind of what is the nature of God and that these um, sacred scriptures are mostly dealing with that kind of they have this assumption that God exists. And so it's kind of wrestling with what is the nature of this. Um, but in our modern time, there's kind of this wait, how do we prove that God exists? Like, I'm not going to put my faith, my trust in something without proof, without evidence. That just seems silly to our modern minds. Um but so I, but I think it's a, I love the question. I think it's a, such, for me, there's been times where that's a very poignant, um, like existential, but like very rooted in reality um, question for me, because I don't want to like give myself my, my trust, my faith, my life to something that I was foolish in. Um, I, I, I thought it was interesting, your definition of theology, which was, was it faith seeking understanding? Yeah. Um, and so, cause sometimes I felt like, well, I don't want to seek understanding for the faith because I don't want to start from faith. I want to start from proof because I don't want to, I don't want confirmation bias to kick in. So if I'm just <laughs> starting from a place of faith and now trying to use my confirmation bias to prove my starting point. So there's all those things of like wanting to make sure that I'm living in a way that's aligned to reality and I'm not living in some fantasy in my head. So I love the question. I think even the starting point of how um how can you prove that god is real what do we mean by god because yeah. people have meant different things over the century even today if you ask 10 people and what they mean by god you're probably going to get 12 different answers you can ask and you can ask 10 christians right yeah. like you can i mean like you can limit it that way um you could ask 10 christians in the same church and they would probably give you you know maybe you're getting more similar answers but you're going to get different answers and so I guess to the other, like, where else do I look for my faith? Well, one that other people have found, um, have found connection with the divine mm. in various forms and fashions throughout life. That, that for me is like part of where I'd look beyond a particular text or even kind of tradition. Um, and then, and then I think it's on like part of that, like experience and relationships, right? Um, what is the, when have you, uh, most come alive what if uh what's the the heartbeat the the of um of kind of the universe right like i you know i i love um maybe one way to think about it would be you could look up like different ways that people talk about god and and kind of like parse through some of those right so i one of my favorites is source and ground of goodness mm. and life Right. Or, or people would say, might, some people might say like ground of being, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, and that takes you into a totally different, yeah, yeah, that takes, yeah. I mean, now you're going back to scripture, um, <laughs> but something like ground of being, um, which I believe probably started with Paul Tillich, um, but ground or source of being for me that when you start to define God in that way and even define, that might be a tricky word there, but, um, it totally takes me out of this place of like, is there an invisible being above me, around me, uh, out there in the cosmos? Like it takes me out of that place into, of course, there's a ground of all being because look around, 
there's beingness everywhere. So we're just trying to talk now about what is beingness like? What is the source of life like? And for most people, that takes us out of the place of, um, of two people on a stage debating the existence of God, of the atheist versus the theist, and takes us into a place of trying to describe and engage with, well, what's your experience been with what beingness or the source of life is like? And I, for me, that's, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, I, I think to the, that would maybe be the, yeah, that's the other part of the response to that question, right? Like, how do you prove that God is real? Um, well, like you, you would have to interrogate what you're looking for in proof and what you mean by God and all of this. But maybe what I'd say is look for some of those other pieces that aren't necessarily just found in the Bible, but ways that people talk about uh, God or the divine um, and see, see what they're like, ask people their experiences. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I, I think that theism and atheism, uh, help each other out a lot <laughs> in terms of like definitions and push and pull of what, what's really here and what's not. Um, and, one more thing that, that I like for, if this is helpful for, uh, yeah. for whoever asked the question or anybody listening, um, this is from one of my favorite theo- theologians, which was ACDC's road manager, mm. uh, Barry Taylor. Um, yeah. So he was the, you know, 90s rock road manager, but had some had this great quote on God that I love, um, where he said, God is the name of the blanket that we throw over the mystery to give it shape. And for me, that again, that takes me out of this place of am I trying to prove that something invisible is over there in the corner or not to God is the name of the blanket that we throw over the mystery in order to give it shape. Of course, there's mystery around us. Of course, there's um, there's life and beingness and reality going on. But sometimes it's so hard to to talk about that we need something to kind of you could say personify it as you could say just give it a name so that we can kind of talk and engage with what this thing is and for me that's a helpful thing and i see things like um like the scriptures doing that is trying to give this mystery shape and contour so that we can wrestle and engage and and understand what this how this thing works right well and that's why i there that's why there are so many images in scripture like so many different ways of referring yeah. to god Right. Like, I think it's, you know, it's part of that. I also love, um, I guess I've been thinking about as you were sharing some of that, like, I wonder if sometimes not just like in a scientific way we're looking to prove, but sometimes we try and prove the existence of God in the same way that uh, somebody might try and prove the existence of the tooth fairy. Right. Um, and, uh, but like, again, we got to talk about what are we talking about in tooth fairy? Like, are we talking about this thing where, parents are uh, <laughs> conspiring together in this like effort that and now we call that the tooth fairy because like that exists right um yeah, exists, and, yeah. right and but like is there a, a tiny little magical creature as far as i know i'm willing to be wrong um there's not uh, you know <laughs> I, I think it's a great metaphor because i think some of us are worried about being duped in that way mm-hmm. like the same way that for six years or whatever i was duped by my parents and I thought reality was this way. And then I turned out that reality was completely different. That some of us are worried, like, is the church, are, are different people, are different uh, organizations or, or 
political parties. Like, are they conspiring like my parents did at one time in my life? Are they conspiring to like, you know, pull the covers over my eyes and, and make me think reality is one way. I think that's sometimes at the heart of this question for some people um, is I want to make sure I'm not being duped here into thinking one thing when it's totally not true. And I totally right. can sympathize with that. Um, and but I now would, when that's I think where about I would it, pull back. I was just gonna say, that's where I would pull back to like some of my favorite questions. Like, who is this God? What is this God like? Um, what does this mean? Or even in that, like Jesus and Osiris, right? Like, who are you going gonna to choose the, the one that only is going to give this to the pharaohs who are mean and wealthy beyond imagination or whatever? Or you could choose the one that's hanging out with the ragamuffins, right? Like, and, um, and like, that's, that's where that comes into me, right? Like, because absolutely religion has like duped and taken advantage of and you just like look at the Middle Ages and exploitation and even still today, right? You look at schemes that like really just are kind of seem like cash schemes um that take advantage of people that are run by uh and in the name of god right and so you go uh very healthily like i don't want any part of that and i certainly don't want to be duped and if this is what that god is like then like i'm like yeah run away right um and so that's my question like but i have this trust in this unseen thing that's that is motivated by love liberation reconciliation wholeness um abundant life that you know starts with those from whom abundant life has been taken um unjustly by others um and so like that that's if i'm duped by that so be it it's kind of where i get at the end of that story right like, <laughs> that's um because i've given my life to more abundant life and love and liberation and reconciliation and i'm giving everything that i can to that and in doing so i'm finding more meaning and life um and and like that's like at, at that point right oh true you duped i didn't miss anything right like <laughs> uh, yeah well yeah and so there's so i'm pretty convinced by the way i'm happen. yeah by the way i'm pretty convinced i'm not being duped but <laughs> Yeah, because you are like the modern part of us that wants evidence is kind of always still able to engage that part of us is like, when I do show up trusting that love is at work here, am I proven wrong or not? And mm -hmm. so we can even engage with both of those parts, um, you know, of our brain of how we are modern rational part of us and, and the kind of trans rational part of us. So I love that. But there's also, I remember asking this question at times in my life where a lot was kind of hinging on this question. And I couldn't I love that you're talking about like, hey, I'm willing to be duped on this if, if I'm finding out that, you know, love isn't the engine of what's going on here. Um, but for me, there was kind of this like, whoa, I can't play around and risk being duped because at the end of all this, I need to have the correct answer because it determines where I go after this life. And so there can be so many things that get wrapped up in this that, uh, that one, I just wanted to acknowledge because I felt that. So I love this question so much. Um, where I'm at now, I do feel a lot of freedom to um, to play with it, to spin it around and look at it in different directions, to hold it up to my experience, to hold other people's experience up to my working definition or working understanding of God, um, to hold it up to scripture, how people talked about this through the centuries. Um, so for me, I feel that freedom there because because um, I'm no longer feeling like there's a God I don't know, it's some location, some invisible being that is 
hoping that I, you know, like think that he's over there. <laughs> like, um, but now for me, there's at, at this point in my life, I, um, I love the word God, the name God, the, the metaphor of God. Sometimes God feels like a metaphor. Um, it's a Joseph Campbell quote that God is a metaphor for a mystery that transcends all categories of human thought, including both um, being and non-being, I think is the full Joseph Campbell yeah. quote. So yeah. for Joseph Campbell, God is a metaphor for a mystery. So if you ask me, do I believe in God? It's like, I believe in a metaphor for a mystery. So there's all these different ways that you can kind of approach it. And so for me, I love the metaphor for the mystery of life. And it's uh, it helps me kind of engage and, and give some some texture and contour to this very mysterious alive thing that's going on that way I can engage with it better than just the mystery, you know, mystery is hard to engage with until you start to give it form and shape and definition. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's one of the things I would just, uh, this is not related to the question, but that's one of the things that I love about Christianity is the mystery choosing to become specific in certain ways um, incarnated and yeah. right be because like because that's just like what a what a gift um to be able the the way that uh you know paul talked about it and the way that luther would talk about it is like you know we see the the image of the invisible god right um mm. we get a, we get a a little piece of that metaphor of the mystery right we get a we get an image a glimpse of of the invisible God by beholding God made visible um, that, that we begin to understand the, you know, utterly transcendent um, and yet, you know, imminent force ground source of life. Yeah. Love it. Such good questions. Yes. We only did. We only really did two, but see, that's why you got to keep asking him. <laughs> yeah. But there were two great questions that I know we could keep going on and, so thank you to both of those people and others who uh, we'll get to in, in future episodes, I'm sure. Um, everybody who submitted a question, thank you so much. These have been so fun. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, definitely, you know, every time you can join with us, I know there's several of you who've been watching with us tonight. Um, we love anytime you're you're up for sharing your questions um, in the chat, in the midst of it, right? Giving us some, some feedback and things while we're going. Um, we, we love to be able to respond and answer in real time, but certainly um, we know that many of you can't always be with us Tuesdays at 9 p.m. when we record live. Um, and uh, and so keep sending those questions in. You can do it in the comments after this. You can send a message directly to Brandon or I, or I really want you to go to that All Questions Considered Facebook page. It's just facebook.com slash allquestionsconsidered. Um, and there's a, a link out to uh google form um that you can answer or that you can ask whatever questions on your mind um and and so while we give the topics week to week we'll try and do a few of these um and sometimes your questions line up with the things that we're already talking about so maybe some of the ones that we didn't get to tonight um we'll get a topic where they might come up again um in the not too distant future I love it. And I, um, I was just checking my, my Facebook comments coming in and got one from my friend Chandrika. I feel like it's a good, uh, a good question to end on her question. Yeah. Was, um, 
Do you expect to have time for all the questions that are asked? If not, what should one do with unanswered questions? <laughs> so I like the question, <laughs> what do you do with unanswered questions? I love it. Uh, I, I mean, partly it stays a question. That's right. That's right. You learned, you learn to love them, which is really, there's a great Rainer Maria Rilke poem about loving the yeah. questions. Um, like locked and, doors, I think she says. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, it, yeah, the, I, at the end of the day, they're just, they're just not there. You kind of learn, learn to sit with them, appreciate them for what they are, for the question, not for the answer that they'll provide. Right. But for the, the, the question that they are, um, and, uh, and then you keep asking them is really, you know, I, I mean, like, you know, there might come some times where you just kind of sit and, and hang out, but what, then you, then you keep asking them again, um, or, or you let them go and they'll either find their way back to you or they won't. And the, the, again, we even talked about in that last conversation, Brandon and I talked about how certain questions were really important to us for a time. And now, you know, maybe not so interesting. Um, and, uh, or, or just not the ones that we're asking most right now. Um, but I love, I love the questions. I also pulled up, um, since you did that and just, I'm going to give you Brandon a shout out from, uh, our buddy, Sean, who's watching where he said, uh, he really liked the quote, um, that you're pulling out. I think the Campbell quote, uh, but, um, Good, good to have everybody with us this evening. Um, and whether you're uh, watching with us live these weeks or whether we're going to um, catch you on podcast services and things, um, we're, we'll be back next Tuesday at 9 p.m. is the plan. Um, and then uh, we try to get the podcast up by Thursday mornings um, these days. And uh, and yeah, any any last words, Brandon, before we wrap it up? I don't have anything else, Drew. I'm just going to go savor whatever unanswered questions that I have now. That's right. That's right. Or if if your unanswered question is the unanswered question on one of these Google Docs, then what's going to happen with it is um, I'm going to sit and think about it all that long. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you all for next sharing time. questions live. Um, you can go share questions in the um, the Facebook group or the Google form that you can get to from the Facebook group. But as I cut off Drew before he said it, until next time. <laughs> Ask a good question. Ask a great question. <laughs>